I only met the late, great Frank Galati once, but apparently I got the full Galati when I met him because he was just nothing but effusive praise for my performance in the show that you and I did together, Cindy, at Looking Glass Theater. Oh, that's where you met Frank. That's yeah. right. And, <laughs> uh, and having just come from his memorial service where you were one of uh, uh, several speakers that spoke so glowingly, I mean, he was just a champion of the positive, which is not a typical thing in our business. Starting with the fact that he came to see our show, he would see everything. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 857, Remembering Frank Galati. This past Monday, a memorial celebration was held at Steppenwolf Theater here in Chicago for Frank Galati, the double Tony-winning author and director of The Grapes of Wrath and the Tony-winning director of Ragtime, who died last January 2nd. Frank taught at Northwestern University with my guest Cindy Gold, who won a Joseph Jefferson Award for playing Gertrude Stein in Galati's and Stephen Flaherty's musical Loving Repeating and who spoke at his memorial. I'm grateful to Cindy for sharing her memories of Frank Galati with me. There was a production at a very small theater in Chicago of Loving Repeating, the Gertrude Stein musical, maybe about 10 years ago, a non-equity production. There were several Northwestern students in it. I wasn't in town. I wanted to see it. They sent me some video of it, but Frank went uh, by himself to this and then was amazingly effusive. The actors told me that he just went on and on. And, you know, yeah, he's a, he didn't uh he didn't care about titles and um you know relative importance in the theater world he was just a lover of humanity and he was he wanted to support as much as he could so yes he was a great guy so let's back up the the you were not only frank's good friend but you were of a, a colleague of his at Northwestern, you had acted for him as a director and uh, performing lines that he'd written. The words in the Gertrude Stein play were all Gertrude Stein, every word of it. Frank didn't write it. He adapted uh, several sections from novels and things. Um, every word was hers, except Stephen Flaherty, the composer, um, put the word shoop like a 60s reference. Um, <laughs> so I forget which song, but it was something unexpected and very Steinian um, in its, um, you know, strangeness. That was something she liked to do. Uh, and it was fun, you know, and it would get from the Stein people in the audience, it would get whoops of laughter. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Can you tell that? Can you tell the story about how you came to play Gertrude Stein in that piece? Yes. Uh, so I had just arrived at Northwestern, late nineties. Um, you know, the kid, and I had read something in high school, 
and of Gertrude Stein's. And I don't know, I, for some reason, was interested in her. Um, and I heard that, you know, the great Galati, he had just won a Tony for Grapes of Red. No, he had just done Ragtime. He had just on Broadway. Right. And um, I was very nervous, but I sort of screwed up my courage and went to his office. And, you know, my father always told me, you don't get what you don't ask for. <clears throat> so I went to his office and I was like, Dr. Galati, I understand you're doing something on Gertrude Stein. Could I read it? And he, in his amazingly positive way, he always put his hands up to his face. Why, yes, you know, <laughs> really excited. Like I was no one. He had never met me, didn't know anything about me. But you were um, a teacher at Northwestern. You were yes, a new teacher was, at Northwestern. Right. Brand new. I was still in my 30s. And I and so he handed me the script, which was right on top of his desk. And I turned to leave and he said, no, no, read it now. And so I sat opposite him in his office and read the thing from front to back. Uh, Gertrude speaks through most of it, never very rarely leaves the stage. Um, and uh, uh, but I read all the lines, all the musical lines, everything. And we just, I don't know, we vibed. And from that moment, I was his Gertrude Stein. He had done, as you heard at the thing, a different take. He's done several things on Gertrude through the years. And he did this piece at the Goodman. She always said Pablo years before, which I didn't know about. And um, Barbara Robertson was Gertrude Stein. And I think <clears throat> there was something else that he had done. And then just as he was in his last year, he had written a piece that included her and asked me to play it again. And we were doing a one week workshop at Steppenwolf and just before it started, uh, he fell for the first time and, and became incapacitated and we never got to do it. Um, I am hopeful that someday um, that piece, because it was a beautiful piece, um, <clears throat> but needed work. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that that might happen somehow. I love that you were in, in, in some ways amused to him. He would he said that occasionally he would say like my Christmas present this past year was always something adorable and funny. And um, he sent me and he was already very sick. Um, I don't no one knew. He didn't know how imminent his death was. He died like a month later. But he sent me a copy of the new uh, at a, the new version of the autobiography autobiograph of, of Alice B. with illustrations that are just so whimsical and funny. I have to show it to you at some point. And the fronts page, it, he, he signed every email to me for the last 25 years with uh, loving repeating or repeating lovingly or repeat, repeat, repeated loving. You know, it was just some version of that. And he wrote loving repeating and then he pasted a picture uh, of myself and his dog, uh, his current dog, Daphne. Um, his golden retrievers were legendary. He always had some uh, and uh, pasted it onto the front page of it. Um, you know, he was so thoughtful and his handwriting in that thing was a little shaky. And I, I look at it and I just think, 
how lucky I was. I was just lucky. We just liked each other. And we had these unbelievably cool talks, usually very stoned. Um, he was a miracle to get high with. Also, early on in our relationship, neither of us smoked cigarettes, but we both were interested and would smoke occasionally. So, And we would sneak it um, and, you know, meet outside on the dock or something and smoke a cigarette if one of us could find one of them. So for all the wrong reasons, we became <laughs> friends. You're not smokers, but you're tobacco curious. I mean, I don't know. He was so interested in, but both of us stopped for a long time. And, you know, and I'm glad because I would feel very guilty if he had still been smoking. Hi, I'm BJ Jones, Artistic Director of North Light Theater, and you are listening to the Reduce Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? We'll perform the complete history of comedy abridged three times in North Carolina this July of 2023 at the Blumenthal Center in Charlotte on July 13th and 14th and Appalachian State University on July 16th. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Facebook page or our Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. And now back to my conversation with Cindy Gold, sharing her memories of her friend and colleague, Frank Galati. The lineup of speakers was uh, uh, was amazing uh, uh, from Mary Zimmerman reading her art, the article that she wrote for American theater to yeah. Bob Falls, to the legendary mm -hmm. Lois Smith, to Lynn Ahrens and Stephen Flaherty, all, all saying something, and you, and all, all saying something about uh, some saying similar things along the lines of he's one of the few directors who could love an actor to a great performance. I mean, yeah. that sort of positivity still strikes me as a rare and beautiful thing to be cherished. It, it it definitely was. I mean, he was so positive. And sometimes you weren't sure if he was just, you know, doing that on purpose. But he was. But he also had a very, very strong sense of what he wanted and what was more than that, what was right for the text he, the words were paramount for yeah. him and the story that the words told were paramount and he could be pretty stern, you know, like with me, I've always had a kind of trouble learning lines, um, uh, always get them, but, uh, takes me a little time. And, and there, there were times where he would dismiss the rest of the cast or send them off to do something else and have me sit opposite him and say every word back to him over and over and over again until it was memorized, sometimes hours, at one time, four hours. Um, and, you know, I didn't care about equity breaks or anything. It was just such a privilege. And also he, the way we learned them, because Gertrude Stein, very little punctuation. I mean, it was really hard to learn. Um, uh, re repetition, and he felt that every single word was vital. There could be no paraphrases. And um, he would say, again, again, and he knew every single word of the play, every word. Uh, he, he knew everything of everything, other plays that I did with him. He directed me in 
arsenic and old lace once, which I thought, how strange that that is what interests him. But he loved old chestnuts and brand new. He loved the theater. He just yeah. loved it. And he was a he was on top of being a writer and a director. He was an actor. Um, Brilliant. I mean, yeah. his um, the drawer boy was pretty stunning. Um, yes, he and and you could see from all the pictures how much of a chameleon he was throughout his life. There are pictures that I see of him that I don't recognize him. He looked first of all, he gained and lost weight all the time. His hair changed. He looked so different um, throughout different periods of his life, which is just stunning to me. You're not a director or a writer, but is there work that you take from, are there things that you take from Frank into your work as an actor or into into any new experience when you're working with new directors or other th new theaters? I mean, there's so many things, but the idea that the text is to be um, honored. Uh, he would also explain, you know, like you, some of Gertrude Stein especially was, you know, inscrutable. Mm -hmm. And he, it was like a, like the greatest graduate lecture that you ever went to in grad school. Um, and I have to admit that sometimes we would encourage that. He did love to orate, but he wasn't orating to be heard. He was orating to um, enrich and and put ideas in the room. And um, it, it, he he was yes, he had a healthy ego, but he uh, he really was a, a teacher at bottom. And as a director as an actor with him, I really did always feel like I was going back to school. It was the biggest treat in the world. I felt smart. That's the other thing. He made you feel smart. Um, and the way he laughed, it, someone said that, but you, the biggest treat in the world, I think Amy Morton said it was to hear his laugh in the audience. But I, I think the thing he, that remains with me most is his amazing interest in the words he wasn't a the kind of director who had tricks at all he didn't have warm-ups he didn't um you know it was very much an intellectual experience in which it, it was kind of um neutral uh, you know you started to i started to you build the character in my case with gertrude stein i based it a lot on Frank himself. His physicality at that point reminded us a lot of Gertrude Stein. He would have been the best Gertrude Stein ever, I assure you. And also the former president of Northwestern's wife, Lee Beenan, um, they invested some money in that production actually, God bless them. And she also, it was a combination of those two. And when I would ask something to about, you know, what is this? Do you like when I do that? That wasn't, he would always say yes. Yes. You know, it, it was, and you, you, sometimes I would think, oh, all right. So it's all positive, but when it wasn't, he made it very clear. He would say, now try the opposite or something like that. Um, he was a, a incredibly insightful, um, supportive and, uh, you know, being in the room with a genius was what it felt like, a privilege to be with him. 
I've been to a handful of memorials now for uh, uh, artists that we've lost here in the Chicago area. And this is the first one, the first memorial I, I left feeling inspired by. I mean, and, and wow. even just talking to you, uh, hearing what you have to say about him, I'm, insp I'm inspired by him through you. And that he would be, he is laughing right now, looking at, look, listening to us and looking at us. I know I feel him so often. Um, <clears throat> and he is very proud. And he would say, oh, no, no, no. But he was an inspiration. And the fact that he, his inspiration lives in some of us is, and I would say every actor he probably ever worked with felt inspired. Students, oh my God, if you studied with Frank Gladi, I'd give anything to have been in a class of his, although I feel like I was, but he he taught the same way. He taught by inspiring and by making you feel smart. And I wish I knew, you know, how he did it, but it was something about the way he looked at you and saw you and talked to you and listened to what you had to say. Uh, in such a deep and engrossing manner um, that made it, you know, uh, a treasure. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. For another extraordinary remembrance of Frank Galati, I'll post a link in the show notes to the article Mary Zimmerman wrote for American Theatre Magazine. Send us your inspiring mentors via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareans.com. Thanks as always to perspiring mentor Matthew Croak, Web Services by Ginger Power Limited, Music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Jocelyn Esler Koenigsnecht, no reason. It's just random. Special thanks to B.J. Jones, the artistic director of North Lake Theater and the man who put together the wonderful celebration of Frank Galati this past Monday. Thank you, B.J. And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 857-2571sts of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Has it been an exhausting um, but emotionally uh, uh, cathartic week, couple of days for you? Yeah, last night some of us gathered <clears throat> at someone's home and there are now his sister's grandchildren and other grandchildren, BJ's grandchildren and BJ's kids. And it's such an extended, loving, you know, all, everyone feels like they're family. And yeah. I think Frank kind of, foster that atmosphere but even the littlest of kids yeah. you know like a, a nine-year-old whose eyes would tear up when you talk about uncle frankie um everyone loved him children dogs you know um adults jaded adults you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah there yeah. is that you're right there is no more jaded group than a bunch of theater folks and yeah. the way that the way that everybody was so in such a kind of a surprisingly lovely celebratory mood yeah. because that's yeah. what Frank would have wanted. 
This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.